0: And so when I started listening to shooting podcasts, I started listening to you and your cousin. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And you guys had such a cool dynamic that was like friendly and casual. It was almost void of jargon. And what I appreciated was I, I know something about you and Mm -hmm. I learned something about him, but you guys were able to talk about shooting in a way that I think anybody could listen to you two just talk about it almost didn't matter what you put as a title. It was,
1: I just want to hear them chat. Is that just how you well, guys thanks, communicate? Man. Is, is that how you guys That chat? is. Yeah. And the reason I haven't done the podcast in a couple of years probably now has just been so much changed in personal life with a move and all that stuff. But also just chatting with my cousin is what we do normally. And just to talk about is what we do normally. And I actually had this, feeling at the end of shows often that was i don't know fraud is not the right word but are we putting anything of value out we're just sitting here shooting the breeze there was no structure to it i don't know man sometimes that stuff's hard to keep motivation doing
0: yeah i mean i I can't speak for you but as a listener so this is the n of one there's a difference between two guys that know each other chatting about shooting stuff or chatting about the industry that, that one of them is coming on to talk about that. It sounds a little sterile and, and you guys didn't sound that way. It was just fun to listen to because it was natural and it was usually positive and, and, and helpful rather than what more often sounds like a (laughs) fishbowl. And I don't, I don't like that.
1: Well, thanks, um, man. That, that, yeah, I, I trust your opinion so much. That motivates me to call Jason up and do some more. It was just our goal was the beginning was, I don't know what to do for a podcast, but I do know there's some people that might enjoy sitting around a backyard fire pit with a beer with me talking guns. And so that's just what we tried to do, kind of tried to invite you into the backyard with us. Yeah. So when I was kind of uh, spitballing some
0: things that I wanted to talk to you about, that kept coming up and that's not something that's going to be like a long conversation for us. Cause I'm not your cousin and he's not here, mm-hmm. but the idea that new shooters can listen to you and learn something. I think that, that as an entry point, first of all, your book and your videos for the NSSF and all the things that you're involved with, you're exposed to a lot of new shooters and kind of what I think of as the super old industry. And and so you have two ends of the spectrum for, for new shooters in your experience and your, your, your life in the shooting world. Um, I'm curious to hear about your opinions and what you've seen works for taking, let's just say, you know, I go outside, I grab somebody and say, do you shoot guns? And they said, no, mm-hmm. what are you going to, and I said, okay, I got this friend, Ryan, he's going to take you out shooting. What are you going to throw in your truck? And what are you going to do with them so that they aren't overwhelmed and flooded with jargon, and yet they learn something and have fun and want to come mm-hmm. shooting again?
1: Great question. And I'm, I'm making a special note here to make sure I'm hearing your question right. You're talking shooting in general, not long-range shooting. Shooting in general. Okay. So, I, a great topic. Um, one, good job getting the NSS staff acronym right. That's a hard acronym to get right, everyone. NSFF. It's it, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, one thing they do that I really like is they have this thing called the plus one initiative. And I wish more people knew about it because it's exactly what you're talking about here. It's resources and the program just to get people shooting. That's the whole point. Kind of like having a plus one to a party is doing a plus one to the range. But I, I like getting this conversation with people, especially if I feel like they might be doing it wrong to give them some advice Is they want to bring their girlfriend out shooting or something. And, They want to bring the biggest, most powerful gun or the gun that they think is the coolest. And they go out to the desert because I'm out here in Arizona or they go out somewhere out in the elements and they try to shoot for a couple hours and it's recoil and loud and it's a long time. It's not very fun. So to me, a new shooter, my favorite thing to do is make it part of something else is, hey, let's go swing by the range. Let's go swing by out in the woods or the desert or whatever, shoot a little bit and then head to wherever. That seems to help me. So there's not so much pressure and anxiety for it. I also like to keep the session really short, fifteen minutes. Bring a bring nice chest. Bring some drinks. Bring a little twenty two pistol, especially if you have a suppressor on it. Little we'll suppress twenty two. Make sure you got to bring them eye pro and ear pro. That's good and comfortable because you can't expect them to have something that's suitable. If you need it, shade. I mean, you make I try to teach kids or women or even guys that I haven't shot before if I'm taking them the first time my goal is to have everyone be safe of course don't no get hurt but my goal is to have them come a second time so I just try to make that first time as quick as exciting as fun as possible you know if I have a steal it's not good thing're not so worried. precision or precision or accuracy or things like that shoot for your 15 20 minutes have some cold cold water bottles in the ice chest, hop back in the vehicle and leave, and then just leave them wanting to come shoot a second time. That, that's, I've seen that way more successful than me bringing XYZ gun because I think it's cool. Does, does that align with what, what you like to do, Chris?
0: I don't take a lot of new shooters out, but it's something that I think about a lot. And I think about a lot of things that I don't do. So I like to ask people that I know have done and think about it also and think about a broader sense of what it is to be a shooter and involved in that broader, broader world, because it's, yeah. it's scary to a lot of people. It is noisy and, and I, you know, just something that I'm curious about I'm sure that my listeners have opinions. I'm, I'm sure that people have done, I've seen, I've actually probably seen more people bring loud, big guns out and be like, ah, okay. You know, they're scared to take a shot. They take one shot and they're like, I am done. Um, But it's something that I think about a lot. And then when in that first and second trip, what's the language that you use to explain things?
1: Good question. Um, Maybe 10 to 15 times I've met someone at their house first. So if it's an in-law or, you know, close friends of friends, someone I know well enough, I'd be at their house anyway. Before I'd go to the range trip, I bring a blue gun over to their house because they're comfortable in their house. They're going to be more comfortable with a blue gun. Heck, I'm going to be more comfortable with a blue gun if it gets pointed at me. And I calmly explain, hey, these are the rules of firearm safety. These are non-negotiable. This is what we're going to repeat again when we get out to the range. But I'd like you to get familiar with them here so you know what to do. And then I go through the rules of firearm safety, and I always give a real world example what this means you know so i say first my first rule is treat all guns as if they were loaded So okay what that means is i don't ever want you doing anything with this gun which you hear me in the background screaming no don't do that and your response is oh don't worry ryan it's not loaded does that make sense and they all just kind of nod we get that so good okay next one we're going to keep our finger off of the trigger until we're ready to shoot. And you go through that, you do it with a blue gun, getting familiar with it. And so we've already established some of the terminology there. I do not get into, if it's a brand new shooter, so let's, I'm going to narrow it down a little bit more. So this is an adult that's maybe a friend of your significant other or a coworker or a, an adult that has done something that's interested in shooting. You've been what you've offered to take them out. I don't get into what a slide is, what a hammer is, Any of that, I don't get into a whole lot at all because even when it comes to long range shooting and my professional students, actual sniper students, I'll get into the details more, but I, I pride myself on not talking about so many topics the first day. So I like to, as a coach, when I'm shooting with with like the professionals notice and, and spot the issues and things I think are doing wrong. And I'm more proud more than spotting issues, I'm more proud sometimes by holding back and not talking about the issues yet and giving them one thing that a time to focus on. And I think new shooters get out there, and who cares what a breach is? Who cares what a rifled barrel versus a smooth barrel is, what the difference between gauge and caliber is, you know, when it comes to shooting? I think they need the, the three basic rules of gun safety, in my opinion. The fourth one is about targets. That's up to me to pick the safe place to shoot. So they have to understand the three rules of gun safety. Know what the trigger is, maybe where a safety is if you need to manipulate it. And that's it. And we need to go have fun and be safe. And sites all do what sites I need. And I don't care if they understand that this is a delayed blowback action or what rifle twist is in there or even what cartridge we're shooting. I might even tell them it's a twenty-two, but check this thing out. And the reason I love the suppressed 22 is a certain percentage of new shooters are going to be stressed when they're out shooting. They're already going to have a little bit of anxiety because there's a gun and this is the first time they've done it. And it's new and it might be scary. And what's even more scary is when there's someone your size or my size, Chris, yelling at them because we have ear protection on and we have to yell to hear each other. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think that suppress 22 is so nice is I can talk in this voice while you're shooting. Yeah, you know, there gotcha. you go. Yep. Line the front side up. Okay. Focus on the front sight. steady pressure. Oh, look at that. You hit it. That's way more comforting than screaming at someone. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Man, that's awesome. I, I think those are, those are great points and, and good to, to reiterate because it's, it's, it's just too common around shooters to have the conversation drift away from and then, Possibly alienate people that could come in or be interested in it out of those things you mentioned. So I I think about that a lot. Another reason I've been thinking about this is I don't know. I don't know if it's fair to say like I want to write a book or I want to to develop like a different system. But the way I think about shooting is a little bit different. And I've been talking with Frank about this concept in, in general. And I'm, I'm this season, I'm going to talk a lot about this concept, but, but since I'm introducing it to you um, it's either a tiered level system, like one, two, three, Frank likes one, two, three. I like five layers, but think about it like um like martial art belt system where you got white belt, yeah. yellow belt, you know, wh- whatever the color belts to brown belt, black belt. If, if, if you go, um, if you just take somebody off the street, they're nothing, right? They might be able to fight. So I'm not, I'm not talking about their fighting ability. I'm talking about their understanding of the art. Okay. So, so I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, a random person can't pick up a firearm and hit a target. I'm saying that to learn it, I, I think of shooting as an art. And so that lifelong art that there's really no end. And that, that's why I think of this the kind of martial art system but you go somewhere and you start learning discipline you start learning a couple fundamental stuff and and you get a white belt right so what and so i'm going to ask everybody i interview um what do you think constitutes like what do people need to know to be a white belt i and i'm going to preface that with you know and and i'm saying this because i think you'll agree i don't think they need to know mills and moa i don't think they need to know you got to range it to this because a kid could pick up a bb gun and by the end of the day be hitting everything through trial and error and they couldn't tell you anything about anything and yet they're still able to do it but but what do you think would qualify as like you're a solid white belt once you have all these criteria now let's consider the yellow belt stuff
1: well, I like this idea. And do you, do you think that Frank Mail only likes one, two, three because that's as high as Marines count? <laughs> well, Sorry, yeah, I think I they, you know, crayons <laughs> they, just, they have they have
0: this way of kind of. Sorry, Frank. Maybe they put lead in them. No, I mean he, he's well, really good at he's 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 super super good at, at seeing a big picture. And saying, he wow, yeah, this yeah. logically separates into three categories or this logically separates into four or five categories. But he can take huge things and go, wait, there's a chunk here and there's a chunk here and there's a chunk here. Let's, you know, let's make it close, middle, far. Yeah. And and all of a sudden it makes sense. And so he like. I think it's because like,
1: he knows so much and he know he has a handle on all of it so he can see it. Right. He's, yeah, talking? he's able to step back far enough at the map level to see what's going on. Yeah. Well, for martial art, go ahead. uh, I'm just saying
0: like, I mean, I I should have Frank speak for himself, but you you know, like if if it's inside of 300 yards, you're inside of a mill for most of the calibers that we're shooting, not a 22, but so inside of a mill, man, that change is very minimal compared to 300 to 600 or 700 yards. Right. So you think like a 308, it's going to be, a mill per hundred yards to about six hundred yards. So if you're if you're like, oh the target's at 350 and the next one's at 450, you could just hold a mill up and you're probably gonna hit it. And but yeah. but then after after 650 yards and and to maybe a thousand or eleven hundred yards, it gets a little bit different. So you, the way that you think about it in those brackets makes a lot of sense. And so um I, I like that, but I, I also like the, well, let's let's make five belts or six belts or seven mm-hmm. belts because I really, I'm super nitpicky, but that's why I talk to, to guys who are really good so, at boiling things down like you. I like your belt idea.
1: So you seem like someone that would be into martial arts.
0: Are you into martial arts? I, man, I'm old now. So, you know, my age, I've kind of done a little bit of everything. I don't, I don't know. Gotcha. I mean, do. All
1: right. So. If we, if we stick with the martial arts analogy and I I only know jujitsu gyms or that system. Okay. When you show up on your first day at the end of your first class, you get your white belt. So extremely low threshold to get your white belt. And the white belt is more of a, I'm in a club, not I achieved a goal in my opinion. So if we're sometimes I'm handicapped with analogies, I like them so much that I, I I take them too far. So let me know if I'm taking this one too far, but I wouldn't want the white belt to be difficult to get at all. I would want a white belt. If we're going to call if you're going to call it that to be attained on the first one or two hour trip to the range, because if they didn't and it took five trips to the range, if it took X number of hours of study that whole time, they're learning and starting to be part of this program. They're nothing. And that's not very fun, right? So, so I think getting a white belt immediately at the first trip would be safety only. And I hate to harp on that too much, but that's so important to me with shooters is if they can demonstrate safe handling of a firearm, boom, here's your white belt. Cause you come to a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gym, you show up for your first trial class and you roll on the mats for a little bit. You don't know anything. All you know is how to get on the mats, what to do. We're not punching each other in the face. That's about it. Welcome. Here's your white belt. Here's your starter kit. So at least class two, they're already part of the club. And then they're working up that stripes of that white belt to get to that blue belt, which usually is a year or so. And that's a lot in jujitsu. You know, jujitsu takes forever to get your belts. I think like black belt is 20 something years to get a black belt versus other martial arts. You can get it in one or two years. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is I don't, my input is that I don't like the idea of them being a nothing for a certain amount of time. I would love them to be part of your system day one. And that would mean I think fire and safety. And then through white belt, they would start to learn how to load and unload a firearm, how to safely, you know, different basic positions and shooting it, not putting the scope through their own eye- eyebrow, you know, how, how to manipulate and handle a bolt action versus a semi-auto pistol versus a things like that but men of the Bengal and mills that's that's down the road to me Mm -hmm. and i guess
0: the thought came to me seeing kids shooting a bb gun and and you know i imagine my kids and your kids they can't be part of this because they could already shoot but you know i imagine just picking up a bb gun giving it to a kid or giving one to a group of kids and yeah granted they might shoot each other with them like I got shot by my brothers with BB guns uh-huh. and stuff like that yeah. at the beginning, but it doesn't take long before they're semi-competent on their own. And I think that can happen in a day. So I thought, well, there's gotta be something to the foundational basics that is void of jargon because it's just mm-hmm. that repeatability concept. And, but I do like the idea of, you, you know, well, but, but there's something too going to a gym. Let's say I went to jujitsu and, and you know, I've made a commitment to go check it out. And then they say, okay, here's your belt. Now you've made a commitment mm-hmm. to at least trying to learn something. Um, that that's perfectly fine with me, but, but I'm
1: also, you know, also if you did a range thing, you get a rules, kids, you're not allowed to go. Let's say you are doing belts or holsters or hats or whatever you're doing or pins or color Just better, yeah. some system. You can only get to this range. You can only be on the range when you have your white belt. Well, it's a white belt. We well, got to sit over here for two or three hours and listen to Uncle Chris talk about how to, how to aim it basically and how to safely handle it and things like that. And that. That's their bare minimum threshold. And I love there's a thing in jujitsu where they talk about, even though it's so hard to get your black belt, that the hardest belt to get is your white belt. And the theory is, if you look at the percentage of the people in the world that ever even start getting their white belt, it's actually harder to get that. Because once you have your white belt, you have a higher percentage chance of getting your black belt than yeah. not having a belt at all. And so I, I like the mentality of that too, that making a choice to, you know, that commitment to get in here. And then you
0: start learning some sort of fundamentals. And I think of fundamentals cross platforms. And I know that's a lot different than a lot of bolt gun shooters and long range shooters, but, but I, I do like shooting all platforms and there's something missing. If, if we just talk about what, what you do with a bolt gun versus what you do with a pistol, but then there's still some common threads. And so sometimes if, if I'm really going to work on my fundamentals, I'll go pistol shooting for a couple of days for sure. And all I think about is, you know, what is it? If this was a bolt gun, a tiny little bolt gun, you know what? What is it that I have to do to be able to control it, and and not only control it, but then what if I need to take two or three shots? Because I don't, I don't think one shot, um, is the whole picture. I think it's a couple shots, and then the time frame and the context. But but what is it that applies here? That applies to the next one? That applies to the carbine? Then applies to the bolt gun? And um, yeah, and so so what are the fundamental kind of universal? Things uh, that, that you think apply to all firearms.
1: So, keeping the belt thing during that white belt, that first year in, in jujitsu, white belt, you're learning your basic fundamentals, and that's what you're asking here. Their trigger control, side alignment, of course, the safety, which started the first one. Understanding the concept of trajectory a little bit—that the bullet is traveling in an arc. So, you know, it's going to hit the branch out there. That you need to aim higher you know, the further away you go what wind can do to a bullet, all those basics, I think apply to everything, including shotgun. You're shooting trap and skeet with a shotgun and there's a far clay target and you aim straight at that clay target as it's flying, just like you did at the one ten yards away, you're going to miss. You have to aim a little higher. So you have to understand a little bit. All those kind of things. I think that's all your basics. You're not, not getting into geeking into it, but understanding. I could not see someone graduate up your system with the shotgun, for example, and not know the difference between 12 and 20 gauge somewhere that's got to be covered. There's mm-hmm. a difference. So I think those fundamentals of trigger control, side alignment, um, the white belt phase. And I think it'd be cool if you would consider tracks. I have my blue belt in rifle. I don't know pistols yet though. I'm working on getting my blue belt and pistol.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. So
1: white belt, white belt applies to everything. White belt is trigger control, side limits, everything that is that jumps from one discipline to another. And then once they get their first gradation, they have a actual, you know, for lack of a better term, merit badge, if you will, of I've achieved a certain competence and skill level with a handgun. I haven't with a shotgun because there are guys I know that are just masters with handguns that don't know what they're doing with a shotgun at all.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. So, so there you go. So the white, the white belt.
1: Badges. Yeah. So just, you could ask yourself, well, what belongs in the white belt level? Well, anything that is fungible and that it applies equally to every discipline, safety, trigger control, sight alignment, ammunition, selection, purposes, use things like that. There's your, there's your self selecting or self defining white belt category. Then once you start specializing right in a certain area, you know, minute angle of mills does not need to be understood by a pistol shooter. That might be in the long range rifle track. Heck there could even, if you wanted to split it out, there could be a hunting track that talks about now terminal ballistics. Cause a target shooter doesn't care about terminal ballistics. A hunter needs to understand terminal ballistics for bullet selection and things. A hunter is not picking the best BC bullet right? A hunter's picking the bullet that does the job on the target the best. So who knows? I, I think that would be a neat specialty because then I'm picturing even the military way of doing it. You know, in the military, you have your little expert marksmanship badge and underneath that, you have hung as a little ladder rung rifle pistol, you know, which discipline you earned that in. Maybe, maybe that'd be a neat way to go.
0: I mean, I, I, know, I know there are, like, master, grandmaster, and other other things, but but I was thinking, uh, you know, about this. And also, in the climbing world in Japan, they use kind of a karate system in, you know, one to seven to, to the black belt. But but then at the black belt, a lot of those things have stripes or whatever afterwards. So that, that, you know, so I had originally pictured it as, like, you know, you go to the black belt or whatever that tier is, and then at that point, that's where you branch into the discipline so that if you, you kind of mastered – the basics and then track. But, but, but I also like the
1: idea of tracks to begin with, but I, I feel like I wouldn't give a black belt unless they're teaching. There's my other piece of advice. I'd, I'd, I'd try to throw in the hat. Yeah. I okay. would want I'm part of good. your ability to have a black belt, your ability to teach. Cause if your goal here is to grow this and to teach new people, I, I would, I would argue that part of the curriculum needs to be competence in teaching and because in, in martial arts black belts teach hmm. black belts are the ones that own the gyms, you know, to pass it along. Yeah. I mean, right now this is just
0: this, this fun thing that I think a lot about and think I about think cool. pros and cons and, and troubleshoot it. I don't know that it's a system that's going to grow or if it's a concept that I'm going to put forward that kind of tries to sidestep all the dogma and just kind of re frame how i think about shooting but I, I do like the idea of thinking about what works in other systems and how you know because because if it's just fighting like people could just go fight but but mm-hmm. there's there's more to some of these systems which is why they've stuck around and yeah. the idea that um almost everything i've ever encountered the best people say the same thing master the basics mm-hmm. master the basics well what are the basics everybody wants to talk about things that are not the basics. What do the best shooters do? They master the basics and most of them could tell you about complicated things, but usually don't and can often boil it down to the basics in the first place. So Mm -hmm. this idea of let's rewrite the basics in a way that helps us understand in a broader context. When I pick up a book and it's like, you know, you go through the firearm safety and then it's like, ballistics and by the end of chapter one it's just all formulas and you're like holy crap like ah. so nobody's gonna get through this because it went from you know you're shooting this thing out and it's flying and it's doing this and then it then then it layers to too hard too much and it's like really like a kid could just shoot a bb gun and hit something and be like well, i don't know what you're talking about but i just hit that target mm-hmm. you know, the, the indiana jones thing and they just shoot something like all right cool mm-hmm. Um, so, but you also have to talk to people who, who I, you know, you're, you're, I consider you, you know, the black belt. And I, I want to make sure that I've talked to people that are farther along in this than, than me, because I think that you, you can miss a lot and, and yet I can't fall into that box. So, so I like this idea of, I hope you do it. I us like scale it. out something and talk about it in a way where we can approach beginner shooters. We can approach more advanced shooters and say, okay, well, if you're, you know, I was thinking, you know, different belts, but let's say if you're a blue belt, then you should be able to demonstrate all these skills. And oftentimes they can't, you know, I go to field matches where they have pistol stages and you see these guys who are just owning the long range targets and, they're emptying mag after mag after mag on these, you know, almost man-sized targets at 15 yards. Like, wow, like there's some, there's a disconnect. Yeah. If you really understand sight picture and trigger pull, you should be able to hit it with a pistol. So I think backing up to rethink this stuff is, is helpful for me. And I've, I've taken a big break from shooting. And so, uh, the, the last seven months and, um, but I've I've been involved in in, in doing stuff and trying to reframe how I'm thinking. And now with season two, it's going to be focused back on this stuff, but in this way where it's conceptual and, um, you know, uh, hopefully a little bit more fun.
1: Well, I hope you do it. I support you already on it. If I can help, let me know. I think one of the biggest, uh, obstacles you're going to have with making a system like this is the naysayers. So it's just going to have to be, You know, the more of a consensus you had, the more names you could throw at it, like Frank's name or stuff like that, the more it takes the wind out of people's sails, you know, arguing against you. But I like the idea, not only because it gives a new shooter the answer to the question, well, what next? They have it laid out in front of them. Here's their path. They know what's next. But I don't like public shooting ranges. I'm a bit of a shooting range snob because when I go to public shooting ranges, I have no idea who's there. Who's going to point a gun down the firing line? Who's going to do something? Again, it goes back to safety. Or if I want to go out to, uh, up, I'm up in the mountains in the woods here. And we have a, maybe a cinder pit or a gravel pit. Let's go shoot. You're swinging through town and, hey, Chris, let's go shoot. Let's go grab lunch and, and go shoot for a couple hours. I know your competence level and that we can enjoy our time together. But if I see a stranger out there, it'd be really nice to go, oh, you're a white belt. Wonderful. I'd love to shoot with you, but that means I'm not shooting that means I'm donating some time to teach and make sure everything's safe and stuff like that. Or, Oh, you're a black belt and shotgun. I really need help on this area. Would you mind after we shot, can I get 15 minutes you diagnosing this? It's, it's all of an awful lot. It could be fun. Uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm not convinced about the, the belt thing is the easy kind of, but now we have a common language to talk about. I don't know if it's going to be like a belt system or a, color or a number or something like that but but it's the, you get the idea that that yeah, there's these phases you have to pass through and skills that i think are important to build a good foundation for the next phase instead of just that single tower of blocks that's really easy because you know yeah. if the truth is like the competitions that i do if i wanted to really mess with the shooters i've done enough of them where i could design stages that they would have a terrible time on. And that's, that's not fun. But I think that also highlights the fact that we're, we're missing a lot of skill sets, and, and I want to be well, well-rounded personally. And that's why I do this. And if people want to be narrow, like that, that's awesome. They could do it and have fun and they've got the right wow. to do that. But, but I like the idea of if I go to a competition, they could throw any stage at me. That's why I like sniper matches and, and field matches. They call it sniper matches. You're a sniper. So it's not fair to, to, to call them that because you know you did a lot more than this stuff but but they don't know what else to call them right you just you get it's unknown you walk into something and then they throw a bunch of shit at you that's problems to solve and and you solve them um you could throw people off really easily by saying here's a disassembled ak-47 which they've done at a match you know you have three minutes to put it together load it and get you know a couple shots on that plate out there and Mm -hmm. If you knew how to do it, great. If you didn't, you could figure it out or you could throw your hands up and just keep walking. And yeah. um I want to be the guy that can say
1: it's going to be hard to stump me, you know, in a, yeah. in a match, right? Or I'd love to see an unzeroed rifle. Here's a scope. It's not not zeroed. Here's right, 10 right. rounds. Hit that target. How fast can you zero it and get
0: on target? I think I was talking with my friend Dave up in Canada and we were talking about field matches. And, and I thought, man, it would be cool to get industry sponsors where there were 10 rifles, 10 different rifles mm-hmm. or 10 firearms. You know, here's a pistol X, you know, small caliber rifle, you know, all this stuff with scopes. And on day one, you didn't know anything about it. And here's the stage. You need to get the information that you can with it. You know, the ammo is provided for everybody. So the teams yeah. rotate through the 10 stages, but each one is a different firearm, ammo, so on and so forth. And you had to just get your data while you're trying to solve the problems. And, every, and over the course of the match or the days, the better their data and familiarity with, with the stuff that they learned from it, the harder the stages got. But they had nothing mm. to start with, like maybe an empty Kestrel, you know, or maybe nothing at all, like a hard data book. And mm-hmm. they, they wrote down what they could and got it zeroed and got figured out their ranges and figured out how to hit targets so that by the end, by the end of it, you, know, they were doing very complicated stages yeah. from stuff that they learned over the course of that. So, and, and, and I thought, man, that would be really
1: cool. It'd be super expensive to run, but,
0: um, <laughs> but I did. You're essentially uh, talking
1: about one of my three-day sniper courses though. Oh, you know, three or four, three to four day course. These people that are showing up, the last people have no experience. Or they think they know what they're doing, but they really don't. Because that's too short of a course for professionals, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So I'll get people that are self-described weekend warriors that want to learn how to shoot long range and we'll go do a course together. So day one, we're remounting their scopes and moving them to they fit them in the rifle. And we're going out and we're zeroing and talking trigger control and talking positions. And Maybe day two, we're reaching out to a couple hundred yards, maybe mid-range. You know, day three morning, we're reaching out even further because we're adding then a wind class in there. We're adding all these other things and they're building on it before you know it by day two or day three, they have an index card full of all their dope for all these known targets in the system. And by the end, we're racing each other. These people that just started a couple days ago that had nothing, I'm, I'm able to holler out team two targets, you know, seven, four, three, team four. And I call it three or go, they race who could hit the targets in order the fastest. When these people two or three days ago had no experience on that rifle, no experience with dope, no experience with wind. So I think what you're saying is really awesome, but that's also kind of what a new shooter's course would be. Yeah. I mean, it sounds cool. And I think it would be a fun challenge because I think there's a
0: lot of good shooters. If you said, all right, this is what we're going to do. They think, Oh yeah, I'm awesome with, with my rifle. But could you do it with ten different systems, ten different ammos, ten different capabilities, and map it out and understand it, and then be effective? That that could just be a fun challenge, yeah. um, and different than just the standard. You know, we're gonna
1: shoot this thousand-yard piece of paper. Yeah. Um, Maybe a different grade on points on the weapon system too. Mm-hmm. Right, I like don't... a good medium medium-range rifle. I might take the medium-range rifle and stretch its legs on the couple far targets, but to be quicker and more nimble on the closer ones versus a monster three, three at Magnum. So yeah, you like, you like choice point system. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll take this one. That's, that sounds cool. So the, the fundamentals thing, I, if I can real quick, you mentioned that people like to focus the fundamentals being so important. And Jason, I'm, it's going to sound like I'm picking on them, but I'm not. Um, we like shooting bows too. So we grew up archery hunting. That's why my family is big archery hunting family. And, uh, Jason and I love shooting bows. He's gotten phenomenally good at shooting a bow. And the way he's gotten so good is when he leaves for work, he grabs his bow and shoots a dozen arrows, then gets in the truck and goes. <laughs> he does that every day. And we went and shot a course um, out here in Northern Arizona a couple weeks ago, just a day long, fun course. Okay. And he's gotten so good that I, you ever shot 3d archery, Chris, the styrofoam targets that are of the animals. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you got the kill zone. You know the lungs kill zone, and then you have like the heart. Then you have like the little one or two inch circle in the middle of the heart, like for the scoring. I'm at the level where I can hit the kill zone on. unless something goes catastrophically wrong, I'm hitting the kill zone on any every distance every animal. I can do that. I can competently put an arrow in the kill zone. He's so good though, he's getting in that little tiny one and a half inch circle almost every single time, and. He's been practicing so much. He's been getting so good at it. That's what he's doing. Except, so here's, here's the part. I'm sorry, Jason. I just told, I just, I just bragged on how great you are. So I'm going to tease the other way. A couple targets out of the 30 we shot, he accidentally shot four feet over the target. So he's getting just amazing precision from one target to the next. But then every once in a while, something, the wheels will just fall off and it'll go crazy We'll get back. He'll be amazing precision. And then a couple feet to the right and then amazing precision. And he was kicking himself about it because if you're keeping score, he was smoking me. His point system, you know, his points he was getting, by hitting all the sucker was way better than me. And I made a comment to him, which it's a little bit of a cliche. I said, Jason, it's so awesome to see how much better you've gotten with archery and how much better than me you are. But you've been practicing so much on how to do it right. You figured it out. You figured out how to put all the pieces together and do it right. But I don't think you're good enough yet to where you can't do it wrong. And I think that's what it is, is I'm not as precise as him, but I hit every kill zone. He's getting so good at being the perfect, but it's still the wheels are falling off. And I don't know how to equate that to rifle shooting. I mean, I know how to equate it to rifle shooting. I'm saying, how do I equate that into a standard? But that's what I'd love to see too for people in standard is worrying about these pretty little tiny groups. They shoot at a hundred yards and getting super, super good at that. But then the wheels fall off even at 300 because they forgot something basic. Yeah. I mean, I what do you think about say, that? How would you score that? Or what, what, what's your, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, That's a good question. And I think people could predict my answer. I think it's super important and I would score it massively in the negative because people write that kind of stuff off in shooting as, Oh, it's just a flyer. What like, you're responsible for the thing that left your rifle. You're responsible for the thing that left your bow. You, you know, if, if something goes wrong and there's consequences, you can't just say, well, it was a flyer, right? So yeah. there's a fundamental glitch that needs to be identified and worked on. And, and I would mm-hmm. say that the priority needs to go towards figuring out what it is that causes that, whether it's a flinch or a, uh, you know, there's a situational circumstance yeah. that's causing him to do something that has pretty catastrophic results. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that, that I would, I would score it big if If the rifle craft is one of the ways people know me and with rifle craft, mm-hmm. I put diamonds on there because um, the X and Y axis are bigger, right? there are in inches. And it's scored with increasing negativity the farther out you get. But um, also if you stack what I've noticed uh, anecdotally through all this is that if you have a fundamental error, usually it's, it's along an axis. So if if we're shooting and you do one fundamental thing wrong, it's going to go up, down, left, or right. But if you start stacking two of those, it goes diagonally. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so A diagonal miss means you stack two fundamental errors. And because it's a diamond shaped, it's usually one number more than Mm -hmm. the linear distance. That's why the circle is nice when people say, well, it's one M away. But for me, the diamond is more important because fundamentally, if you're going off at a diagonal, I think you're doing two things wrong rather than one. And if there's one, we could fix it pretty quick. If there's two, it's going to be more complicated because you're doing two things yeah. wrong. We got to figure out what both of those are. So, so I, I, to me, those kind of things are what I would really zero in on, but I'm big mm-hmm. on identifying, Oh shit. I call that the low hanging fruit. If if you've got something that stands out as a huge error every once in a while, that's the only thing I want to look at. Yeah. Um, and, and then, but then the, the other thing is, um, and, and I've been thinking about this too, is this kind of a tangent is, if let's, let's say you guys went to that course. Cause there's a, there's a couple really nice 3d archery courses at cameo and, and mm-hmm. they're long and you hike and shoot. If we took your hits, your score and the time it took you to do the course, mm-hmm. I think that's important too, because if, if, if I draw my bow and I'm, you know, I'm steady and I'm anchored and I'm breathing and, I'm aiming and I'm waiting for it to be perfect. And, you know, I'm sitting here and now after a minute, like, and you're able to go, you know, and always get the Mm -hmm. kill zone that says something about the bigger picture to me. So I think hits for time, it's not generally a part of long range shooting, but I think it's really important to consider that hits for time is very important. And when you take a pistol and you sit there and you go bang, 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 and And you put them all, you know, in one hole and then you say, okay, now we're going to do it twice as fast. And all of a sudden it's this big and you try yeah. to go even faster and it's this big. There's something to be said for where your stress tolerance is. Right. So, um, you know, and I think that, uh, maybe that, that could go back to your, um, your life as a ranger. Okay, sorry about that. Um, on my end.
1: Yeah. So, so, you're, so you think him Jason goes
0: out there. The stress of it. Yeah. Yeah, and you, but but you you feed him with stuff that he'd never do, but he's somehow finds himself in that position. Mm-hmm. It's expensive. It's the biggest buck he's ever seen. Do you think the probability of him making one of those four foot misses is higher or or not? You know that would be an interesting interesting you know, th- thing like, Hey, you know, if you miss this shot, you know, you're going to give me the title to your car.
1: No, no experiment necessary. In my opinion, that, <sighs> that's guaranteed. Yeah. I used to tell people that sniper is one of the most over romanticized titles in the military. Cause it's actually a really unglamorous, not very fun job. It sounds cool in the movies, but in real life, it's not a whole lot of shooting. It's a lot of sitting there for two or three days on your belly stinking like your own self. Um, but one of the things I said about being a sniper too was the performance anxiety in that nobody cares what your last shot was as a sniper, especially if you weren't even in combat. you're just in training. In my job, it was common for leadership to bring somebody out to like get to watch sniper training. Cause it was like some VIP thing to do. We would actually have a list movie stars, believe it or not, come out to first range battalion to learn for something for a movie. And they would want a demonstration or some generals, somebody would come out, and they'd want to see something. There's a lot of pressure, even if it's not combat, when everyone's looking over your shoulder and saying, Oh, look what Kleckner can do. And nobody's going to be impressed that I tell them yesterday I did it or I just got done doing it. Right. They all want to see now. So it's, that's why I'm so much, I'm so not worried about all the new nuances and minutia that I think a lot of other instructors or people are, I'm kind of known for the, being the, the long range shooter guy that goes, ah, it's close enough. Shoot it. It's, I don't care what group you did just shoot yesterday. I care that you can hit a minute of angle while your heart's pumping and you're breathing hard and you're leaning off the bumper of a car at 500 yards. Most long range shooters I know scoff at that. They're like, Oh, a minute of angle, 500 yards. That's so easy. Yeah. Okay. Right now do it. That rifle, that target go it's really really hard for people on command right now grab it and do it even though it's an easy standard so when you go to hunting and you put all that buck fever and all that adrenaline of a normal hunt and then you add into it it's an expensive rare hunt and then you add into it all these other things yeah guys do some crazy things they mm-hmm. do some really Did you know that um some of these hunters that pay a lot of money for these hunts Did you know that sometimes they shoot the elk and the antlers did you know that I, I mean,
0: I, I believe it. I believe it. Do you but know, do you know why they
1: shoot him in the antlers? Because that's where they're looking.
0: What's that? Oh, shit. Because That's where they're looking. Oh, I didn't think about that.
1: So oh, they get man. on this giant bull and they have this rifle. They've only practiced with a couple times because it's a monster caliber. So they're scared to torch this thing off. They're shooting a 300 rum and a titanium rifle, which they should not be doing. They're about to knock their own teeth out. They're on maybe shooting sticks, which they've never really practiced before because they sit at their gun club at the, the bench rest and don't have any practical positional shooting experience. They're already buck fever from hunting is going crazy. They're nervous. They're getting ready to do this. They're looking at the animal, and now they're worried if it's the right size or not because all this money's involved. And it doesn't happen all the time, but it's enough that it happens. They'll start to look at that big, pretty rack, torch that rifle off, and blow one of the antlers in half. Oh my! Because they were staring at the antlers. So, so the reason I think Jason missed one of the targets uh, was—I'm really being a bad family member Uh here—is he didn't? He forgot to change the dope on his sights. Oh shit! That's hilarious. So, are you familiar with bow sights now that are dialing for distance? Um, not. I mean, I don't. I don't have one, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm familiar. Um, yeah, so both sites used to just be multiple pins. So I grew up bare bow. Can you still hear me? Do we keep going? Yeah, 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 I'm just, I'm trying to figure out how to, um,
0: plug in the battery here. No, keep talking.
1: So I grew up shooting bare bow, which was no sights. just get the trajectory, get the feel of the arrow. And I didn't start shooting sights till 10 years ago, probably. And I went, Oh, these are cheating Sights are amazing. And even using a release, Um, but now a lot of the bow sites, you actually are dialing a wheel that has your trajectory for your arrow and your bow on that wheel and you turn it and the pin moves. So it's just like dialing dope on a rifle scope. Well, you leave the dope on from the previous target and you shoot the next target without it. So that goes back to the things that aren't sexy at all. Do you have a good checklist when you get in a position of looking at your dope and confirming this and confirming this before you shoot? or Are you getting so excited about shooting that you forgot to look at that? Right, right. You just and stack dope so on top to do. of dope. Yeah, so easy to do. So those those are the things. But yeah, it's it's amazing what people in pressure do, especially. And I love doing it, as you can tell when people laugh at my my very low relative standards. What I consider a good long range shooter, like I said, that one minute of angle at five hundred yards. It's amazing the giant percentage of people that can't do that on command. That just bragged about their three eighths of an inch group that they were shooting yesterday.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can't think of many shooters that could actually hold one MOA on command regularly.
1: So that's um, what I'd like to see as a standard. You're talking about time. I'd love to see a standard of the, to the analogy of us shooting the bows. Are you good enough to hit the kill zone every time? I don't care if you can hit that very dead center, little squirrel you know, center, but out of 10 targets, can you, are you good enough to hit that every time? So kind of like that one minute of angle at 500 I use because it's not that far. Are you able to, right now, pull the rifle out of the case, pick up the rifle, hit that target now, whatever the conditions are. I would love to see more standards of that and less of measuring what the best group you shot yesterday was. Cause you ignored your five horrible groups. You just took a picture of the one good group.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, that, that, that's yeah, man, you're that's, that's the whole thing. I, I mean, I preach that all the time. I feel like people are probably sick and tired of me doing that, but I, I like, literally think that those standards need to be established and i think people get the wrong idea from just shooting a small group because you're demonstrating like the system's capability not not the shooter's capability but in your book because there's a lot there's a lot of cool things i was hoping uh i can't see the screen anymore because i had to spin my computer around to to plug it in but um i would love to hear you kind of Just describe to people who haven't read your book, your concept of acceptable accuracy.
1: Man, this is why I'm here. This is why I like you, Chris. I tell people this whenever I go on a pod as a guest on a podcast, I say, what's your one takeaway. I bring up acceptable accuracy and I at least half the time get glazed over eyes. It's not sexy enough for them. They don't think it applies Like, what is this guy talking about? No, we want to know numbers and formulas and twisting knobs to guarantee hits. And I'm trying to tell them that's not what guarantees hits, except what accuracy is. And I'm just so thankful that you like that. So thanks, man. First off. Yeah, I love it.